Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. Beautiful job and just two great songs uh, this morning just for uh, not only just a time to lead us in worship, but just a place that the Lord has really stirred in my heart uh, over this week and uh, you know, I'm thankful that the Lord is, Lord is too wise to be mistaken, that He's all-knowing, that He is omniscient, that He knows all things. Uh, unfortunately, we don't know all things. I heard the story about uh, this lady that had come up to the preacher uh, after uh, church. Maybe there was a little uh, invitation time, and she had gotten uh, out of her seat and came up to the, uh, the altar, and she got up there to the pastor, and she said, Pastor, she said, I need you to do something for me uh, today. She said, I, I need you to pray for my hearing. And the pastor said, well, I'd be honored uh, to do that. And so uh, he walked up to her and he took a hand and he put it on each side uh, of her head. Kind of like this. And he began to pray, and he said, Lord, I pray, uh, God, that you would uh, restore her hearing, God, that you would help her hearing, God, that you would meet every need that this uh, dear lady had. And he began to pray and pray, and he got finished, and he took his hands off of her ears, and he looked at her, and he said, ma'am, he said, how's your hearing? And she said, well, I don't know. It's not until Tuesday. Um, He wasn't uh, all-knowing or omniscient, uh, but he meant well uh, in the midst. And sometimes, you know, the truth is it's kind of hard for us to know how to pray sometimes. I don't know if you've ever been in a spot where um, the circumstances are uh, so big and the things are so great that you, you really don't know exactly how to pray. You know, uh, just the desire of your heart and uh, we're thankful that we can approach the very throne room of heaven, uh, not based on our righteousness, but but on the based on the blood of Christ and His righteousness that's credited uh, to our account. And we're in James chapter five, and we're going to look at a passage of scripture that sometimes is hard uh, to get a hold of and hard to fully understand everything uh, about. Uh, I want to read uh, verses thirteen through seventeen. Uh, then I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump in uh, today and look at this passage. Together, Verse 13 begins this way. He says, Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. And pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on earth for three years and six months. Prayer is effective. Prayer is the work, and prayer works. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are thankful, Lord, as we gather, God, here in your presence, Lord, as your church. Lord, we are thankful, Lord, that you're in our midst, Father, that, Lord, we desire today that you might manifest your presence among us, Lord, that we might be 
Lord, able to experience your presence and your comfort, Lord, and your strength, Lord. We know that there are so many different situations and needs and, Lord, desires that each one of us bring uh, to this moment. Lord, we look around our country, and, Lord, we, we recognize, Lord, that in so many ways we're just in terrible shape, Lord, and we need a touch uh, from you, Lord. We need, God, revival in our land. Lord, we read in your word, and, God, we read things like if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, Lord, and I pray, God, that we could approach your scripture today in humility, Lord, that we could approach your throne, Lord, uh, in humility, recognizing, Lord, that we are uh, entirely and completely dependent on you. Lord, so many times we say there's nothing left to do but pray, and sometimes that can communicate that we've tried everything else. But, Lord, I pray, God, that you could shift our perspective, Lord, that we might not uh, come to your throne saying we've tried everything else, but, Lord, that your throne might be the first place that we uh, that we seek, Lord, and that we might come humble, Lord, that we might come repentant, Lord. Your word tells us that if, that if your people were called by your name would humble themselves and seek your face, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would stir in us, Lord, a desire, Lord, to seek your face, Lord, to seek your will, God, to seek your plan in the midst of our lives, Lord. And God, you, you tell us, Lord, that you'll hear from heaven, Lord, and that you can heal our land, Lord. We, God, we read of the prayers of Elijah, Lord, and we see that, Lord, he was a man just like us, with a nature just like us. Lord, that you haven't left this for the spiritually elite, but Lord, you call us all in humility, God, with a pure heart, Lord, to approach your throne, to let our requests be known before you, God, and that, God, you promised to give us a, a peace, Lord, that's beyond all of our understanding, Lord, and I pray that in the midst of storms, in the midst of, uh, God, good times in our life, Lord, that we would be found praying and praising you, Lord, because we recognize, Lord, that, God, you are worthy of our praise, Lord, there are so many reasons, Lord, even in the good times, God, we recognize that those are not from us, Lord, that all the blessings that we have, Lord, come from the Father, Lord, and in the difficult times, Lord, when we can't see uh, your hand, Lord, in the way that maybe we desire, Lord, we are reminded that we can trust your heart, Father. So help us this morning, Lord, if there's some here that don't know you, Father, I pray, God, that you might draw them to repentance, Lord, that your spirit might speak to them, Lord, and that they might, uh, God, pray, uh, God, a, a prayer of repentance, Lord, just seeking, uh, Lord, to come humbly before you surrendering their life to you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. And we ask your blessing uh, on our time together, on the reading of your word, Lord. And we pray, God, all these things in the strong and the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Now, you know, we think about uh, this thought of prayer. And, you know, that stirred my heart a little bit. Sometimes we think the only thing left to do is pray. And I've heard people say that. We ask them, we say, hey, what can we do? And maybe it's at the end of a very difficult situation. And, and we hear these words, well, the only thing left to do uh, is pray. And I pray that uh, today that our perspective would change in that and that we might uh, see that from a different perspective. And, and it would be the first thing that we might do. Now, God always answers our prayers. I've heard people say that sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says wait. But the truth is that we've all experienced times where we've prayed and our prayers have not been answered in the way that we hope. And as we read this passage of Scripture today, there's 
uh, differing uh, opinions about some of the interpretation of it. Uh, you know, I'm reminded in 2 Peter 3 where uh, Peter was talking about the writings of Paul, and he said, you know what, sometimes uh, some of what Paul wrote is kind of hard to understand. I think he could have added this last section uh, of James to that, that it just says, you know what, and, and in that passage in, in 2 Peter, he says, he says there are in some things hard to understand which the untaught and unstable distort as they do also the rest of scriptures to their own destruction. And sometimes I see this passage of scripture manipulated in their uh, different um, religions. There's different people that have, have interpreted this in different ways and they've looked at uh, different things that I believe are uh, unscriptural and we've seen those things not to be true in our own lives. One of the ways that we see that, some would falsely say that it is uh, uh, 100% of the time that if we approach the throne of God in faith, that 100% of the time those that we pray for are healed. That That is a perspective that some people take with this passage that would say, if you have enough faith, you're guaranteed uh, to be healed. Now that we're going to see from Scripture, some uh, some different perspectives uh, on this. The book of James starts out, and he encourages uh, us in the midst of our trials to face those uh, with endurance, right, and to face those with joy. He said that we're to consider it pure joy, the trials of our faith. And we said that these trials that we walk through, that they're trails that are making us complete uh, in Christ. And in chapter 5, he addresses some of the trials. There are those that are being uh, taken advantage of by the wicked rich. There are those uh, that are walking through those type things. And he uh, says, listen, we want you to be patient in trials. We said it this way. We said that this patience is a picture of us waiting with grace, that we're going to be patient in trials. And the reason that we have hope and the encouragement that we have in there, we said last week, we can get weary in the journey and, and that we're fueled. Our faith is fueled uh, by our prayers. Our faith is fueled uh, by our time with God. Our faith is fueled by the hope that we have in Christ because we are patient, waiting, uh, not necessarily for always the, the immediate deliverance or relief from the difficult situation that we're in, but we know that Jesus is coming soon and there's going to be a day of reckoning. There's going to be a day where all things are made new. And we're going to see today that, you know, as we think about all the different circumstances that we may walk through, it is God's desire and communicated well by James that our response would be in prayer, that our response would be to seek his face. Now, there's a lot of things when we're walking through difficult times, there's a lot of voices that come at us. I was uh, just kind of walking through this past week, and as I was engaging in my quiet time, I just recognized that all the voices are not healthy sometimes. You know, we've got so much news coming at us. We've got social media that's coming at us, and I just said, you know what? I need to get rid of some of this, and so I deleted Facebook from my phone. I said, you know what? I want to make sure that, that the voice that I'm hearing is from the Lord, right? And, and I just pulled that uh, away in those moments, and it's been incredible just in my quiet time and, and just the clarity and, and just uh, connection that has been enhanced through this, just pulling back from some of the things of this world and seeking uh, his face. So prayer is the command. That's the first thing we see. And we think about when we're supposed to pray. And last week we saw that we're to pray when we're suffering and we're to praise when we're cheerful, that there's this picture of, of all places in between, that we get strength and peace in the midst of those things, that we are we experience uh, joy in the midst of, of difficult times as we seek his face and our our weapons in the midst of worry and anxiety and all kinds of different things that we have really is, is worship. And we see that when things are good, and we recognize those are gifts from God because really prayer declares 
our dependence on him. When we start our day in prayer, we're saying, God, I don't want to walk in uh, to this crazy world today by myself because I recognize how desperate I am uh, for your touch. It's a, it's a recognition. Uh, Vance Havner said the times are desperate. He said, but the sad thing is that the saints of God uh, are not. And we, we see those kinds of places that we are in in the midst of our life. And when we uh, try to live our life independently from him, and we say, you know what, I am, it puts ourself in the place of God. And we say, I can handle it. I can do all these things. So when should we pray when we're suffering, when we're cheerful, all the times in between? And then James writes, is anyone among you sick? Now, this word astheneo is, is in the Greek, and it's this picture uh, of being weak or feeble or sickly. And so there's this sense that uh, there's this person that's sick or ill. Uh, there's a couple of different views on this from well-respected scholars that are out there. And as you read this passage, you can find folks that interpret it a couple of different uh, ways. One is that, that James is talking about spiritual sickness. He's, he's talking about uh, this, this perspective of uh, these maybe weak, defeated believers and, and that, that the prayer of faith that these elders pray is going to help restore them and it's going to deliver them from uh, this weakness and, and restore them to spiritual wholeness. There's some that would take that uh, stance. There's another perspective, and, and by many uh, scholars and many uh, as well on this side of the things, it says, no, this is talking about physical Sickness. This is a, a picture of uh, someone who is physically uh, sick, physical uh, illness. And I believe that this is the perspective this is talking about. This is where uh, I come from in this passage. I think as we read this, we see that uh, these people are suffering. There's, there's people that are cheerful. And then he says, if there are sick among you, and there's reasons behind that. I think the, the reference to oil in this passage, you know, James says, if there's anyone among you sick, then he must call for the elders of the church. We'll talk about that in just a second. He says, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil. Uh, and this practice is only mentioned in uh, Mark 6, we see uh, this referred to in verse 13 of that chapter. We see uh, this practice mentioned there, and it's associated as in a means of uh, physical healing. And we see uh, this calling for the elders. So there's this perspective. It says, let him uh, call for the elders of the church. So if there's someone sick, he says he must call for the elders of the church. And uh, these elders, there's this picture of, uh, in our perspective, or, or the way that our poly set up here at Calway, it would be a picture of us saying that they would be calling for the pastors uh, of uh, the church, the, this uh, picture of this elder that we see in Scripture. There's this uh, uh, group that's over an assembly of believers, a, uh, an appointed, this elected or appointed position, and these Ephesian elders that we read about in uh, Acts 20, we read that they were to uh, pastor or shepherd. Uh, their flocks. And so these uh, uh, prominence that we see in the book of Acts and as we see in the pastoral epistles suggest that these were spiritually mature men that had uh, guided the development of these local congregations that they were appointed in that. And so we see uh, there, there's evidence of a plurality of that. There's, uh, there's these uh, pictures of that. But as we think about that, there's a group of spiritually mature men that have been uh, set apart, that have been called to shepherd and, and guard the flock. And they are the people. Now, notice it didn't say, if any of among you are sick, call for the faith healer somewhere. It didn't say that. It didn't say, hey, go look for that. It says, call for the, uh, the, the people. God had worked this in the midst of the local church. And he says uh, that, that 
that they're to summon uh, the, the elders of the church or they're to call for them. And uh, I want you to recognize this too is something that says that they're summoned by the sick person. It's not the elders running around going, hey, we're, we're looking for, you know, we're seeking this out. But these people are calling for the elders of the church. They are um, asking them uh, to pray over them. And there's a picture in my mind here that these people are so sick that they can't get out, right? It's this picture of, of summoning them to come to them. Uh, because of this uh, sickness. And so we see that kind of picture. And it says that these elders are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, as I shared earlier, there's a lot of different perspectives on this passage that you can find uh, that, that well-respected uh, pastors and, and theologians have different opinions on. But uh, the use of olive oil was very uh, a very common uh, medicinal uh, type uh, treatment among the ancients, and we see that it was used both internally and externally. We see those kind of things. Jesus attached the medicinal value to the use of oil and emphasized prayer with it. We see uh, that in, in Luke 10. We can see that in, in Mark 6. We see those kind of things. Uh, I also see in the scriptures that oil was representative of both sanctification in the presence and blessing of God's Spirit. So we see uh, kind of a dual piece there, and apart even from its medicinal value, this uh, had a, a ceremonial or, or had this significance there. Some people say, well, it, it was just medicinal, and, and when I think about that, I think, well, you know what? Why in the world would James have called for the elders to do this, right? If it was just simply medicinal and, and there was a wound, right? This didn't necessarily treat everything. And if there was a, a wound or there was something that was uh, there, the last person I'm going to call and be like, hey, you know what? I got a sore spot on my back. It's not going to be Pastor Ron. Like, well, you put some oil on that. It's not... That's not really kind of how I'm picturing that go down in my mind, okay? And so uh, I, I'm not seeing it only in that uh, perspective, right? But there's a, a significance, and Scripture seems to point to this physical anointing that has a symbolic spiritual significance. Now, as we think about that, the, the truth is that it's not super critical for us to figure out everything that's meant by the one. We don't understand or know, and I don't find that, that we can clarify that in a, a perfect illustration, but Scripture seems to point to there's this, this physical anointing, there's a symbolic significance, and there's, there's this spiritual significance there. Now, God can use medicine to heal. I want to kind of say that as we start. I believe God in His divine power can choose to heal in however way that He sees fit. That can be uh, a time where it's miraculously, and we see times of that, and, and we pray Praise God for that. I've been blessed to experience moments in my life where uh, there's really just the, the tangible uh, presence of the Lord is the only explanation for things that, that have taken place in, in our life and the things that have gone on. And sometimes God chooses to do that uh, through medicine. Sometimes it's miraculously. It can be in an instant or through ongoing care. We see uh, that it can be this side of heaven or in the glory of heaven. Because the emphasis really is not on the oil. The emphasis is on the prayer. If you look in verse 15, he says, And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven of him. So there's a lot of things. We, we can't fully just say, you know what, I, I've got this thing nailed down, and, and there's people that have been differing on this for years and years. But what we can say is that the emphasis in this passage is on prayer, and prayer is the work. There's a lot that we can identify in our lives. You know, Maggie sung this song today, and I, we hadn't talked beforehand, but I thought, man, what a great song for today that, that she would sing. 
and say, you know what, when we can't see his hand, we trust his heart. And when, when I think about what she's walked through this year, you know, her father uh, battled cancer and went to be with the Lord earlier this year. And many times we have prayed for Laban as a church family. We have sought the Lord uh, on his behalf and believed that God could heal. They sought medical attention. There's all kinds of things that went in the midst of that. And then as she sings those words to that song, she says, you know, there's, there's times that we can't see his hand, but in the midst of those things, we trust his heart. So we see this prayer. It's offered in faith. Scripture says it restores the sick, and God will raise him up. And so there's a something special about this prayer, and we see that faith is the key. So there's this prayer offered in faith. And then, like I shared earlier, there are people that have taken this passage and said, if there's enough faith, then there's always going to be 100% healing. Now, statistics say that one out of one of us will die at some point, that Every one of us will face death. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Take courage. I've overcome the world. There's a, uh, there's a balance in all these things. But there's this picture in here that says, hey, this is the key, that faith is the key. You know, I found it pretty interesting. Sometimes people that would profess that 100% healing dynamic, there, were, uh, there was kind of an interesting that thing that took place at the beginning of this time with the coronavirus. And there were all these uh, pictures that would come out, and it said that these faith healers had closed uh, their their healing uh, rooms or their healing things because of the coronavirus. Now, I thought that was like the, I mean, just the most weird thing, right? So there's like sickness, and then there's people saying there's 100%. We have faith. If you have that, you come here. We can do this. But then all of a sudden, there's a, a pandemic that's going on, and they're like, except for now, right, and, and shutting down uh, the doors. And so we know that that's not true because we've experienced that in our lives. And we see, you know, we see signs and wonders in the early church. But I want to remind you that, that the early church didn't follow signs and wonders. The signs and wonders followed the early church. And that uh, continues to be the case today. As God's people gather and as, as they're obedient and walk in the Spirit, God moves among them and works in a great Way, But we know in, through Scripture and through our own lives that we don't always get the answer to our prayers in the way that we might seek. There's not always healing that takes place. I can remember the first time I really experienced this uh, in a, a real tangible way. There was a, a lady that I worked with, and her son was diagnosed with leukemia, and we were all working together, and we would go outside every day, and we would pray um, almost every day, and we would pray for her son, and we would just lift him up to the Lord. One day I felt a tremendous burden, and I've shared uh, some of this story before, but I felt a tremendous burden to go see him. He was in the hospital and uh, down in, in Winston-Salem, and I, I felt this huge burden to go see him and, and to share the gospel with him. And so uh, the next day we worked out that we could be away, and there was another pastor that God had placed uh, just in a really neat time in my life working uh, with me. And, and so we headed down there. He was an older, much more mature uh, believer, and, and we were uh, heading down to see him. So the night before, it was a Wednesday night, I uh, asked the, the church to pray, and, and we prayed, and we uh, sought the Lord, and we said, Lord, we're, we pray for his salvation. We pray that you might uh, stir in his heart. And so the next day, we get down there, and I'm talking to Bruce, who's, who was a guy that was 
uh, that was with me that was a pastor. And I said, hey, uh, we got, we pulled into the hospital parking lot. And I said, what are we going to do? I said, how do we bring up salvation? What do we say? How does all this come together? What in the world do we do now? And he said, well, Jason, he said, let's just pray and we'll go in and see what happens. And so uh, we bowed our head and he prayed and he said, God, I pray, Lord, that you would be working before we get here. He prayed all, just a, a great prayer. And we get out, we walk in and I walk into the hospital. They have no idea we're coming. We open the doors to the hospital room. And as we walk in, uh, this uh, dear lady that's just dear to me looks at me and she says, oh my goodness, I can't believe you're here. Said he's been asking what it means to follow Christ and how you can know that you're a Christian all day. And so in those moments, it was like we didn't have to do anything but share the good news of the gospel. And I took the scriptures and, and we saw him come to faith in Christ and I mean, we believed with everything that God was going to heal him. I had uh, just pictured that there's going to be times that he is testifying in uh, in churches of the grace and the, and the goodness of God, and he looked like everything was going to come together well, and there was going to be no trouble. And all of a sudden, one day, he took a turn for the worse, and he and he went to be with the Lord. And in those moments, you know, we had stood out back, and we had believed with everything in us that God was going to heal him, that God was going to restore him. And I believe with all my heart that in those moments that he passed into the very glories of heaven and he was healed in a way that was greater than we could ever imagine. And I want to mention one thing in this passage. When you look at this passage, it says their prayer of faith. If you read that, it says the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who's sick. Uh, a lot of times there's these people that want to say, hey, you come and we'll pray for you. And if you have enough faith, then you'll be healed. Whose faith is it in this passage that it's talking about? It's the elders, right? And so these people that are calling people and saying, hey, you come in here and we'll pray for you. And if you've got enough faith, it'll be healed. Really, the coin should be reversed on some of that because it is spoken of in this passage by the faith of the elders. And Scripture says uh, that, that he would be restored. Now, the truth is that all healing comes from God. And it's in accordance with his will. As we think about this, uh, the, the times that we walk in and, and sickness that people in our family face and difficulties that we uh, walk through in regard to sickness, all healing comes from God, and it's in accordance with his will. First John 5 says, this is the confidence that we have before him if we ask anything according to his will that he hears us. Now, we think about the will of God and how we uh, discern the will of God and, and how we are in those those moments, and we, as we shared earlier, there's times that we don't even know exactly how to pray. We know the desires of our heart. We know the the brokenness of those moments. I saw this quote, and I don't know where it originated, but it said, "Prayer is the Holy Spirit finding a desire in the heart of the Father, and then putting that desire in our heart, and then the Holy Spirit sending it back to heaven in the power of the cross." And I thought, man, what an incredible thought that is. That that. We're in fellowship in such a way with the Father that, that in the power of His Spirit that we understand His will. And we, God desires to use, and I've heard it said this way, that God in His sovereignty, that He limits His power to the prayers of His people, that He desires in such a way to use the prayers of His people, that God is working. We, we've said that for uh, a season as we walk through the life of Joseph. And even when we can't see it, even when we can't feel it, that he is doing something in our midst. And for us to be in such tune with the Father that we are hearing from him and that we're praying according to his 
will. And I'm thinking, how does this all mesh together? And where does the faith come in? Because it says faith, it's only prayer offered in faith that brings healing. James 1 says, if any, he says he must ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. So here's this this picture of a person that's all over the place, double-minded. And what God desires for us is that we would have single-minded devotion, that we would love him, that we would trust him. That's really what faith is, right, is, is trust, that we would trust him with our whole heart. And when we think about those, it says any that are doubting, he said they're double-minded, right? He says this picture that they, uh, they're like the surf of the sea, and they ought not to expect that they'd receive anything from the Lord. This doubt is not about God existing, but really the, the question is, and, and the doubt is as to who we and what we believe about what kind of God this is. Jerry Bridges says this, that as we face adversity, the scriptures teach us three truths about God that we are to believe if we trust him in adversity. And they are one, that God is completely sovereign. That as we walk through uh, difficult times, as we looked at, at the, the providence of God in the life of Joseph, we recognize that in the midst of uh, a world that seems to be spinning out of control, that we have a God who is in control. When Maggie was saying, she said, we know that he's too wise to be mistaken. We know that he is infinite in wisdom, that God knows the beginning from the end, that he is able uh, to see a bigger picture. We're very finite in what we can see and understand. So, so God is sovereign over all things. He's infinite in wisdom, but he's also perfect in love. And so what is our faith in? Is it the outcome of every request that we make to God and that we measure that by because the truth is that our heart, man, it can go all over the place. And there's, there's so many things that sometimes it's hard to discern the desires and the, the, the emotion that I feel in something versus the will of God in something. And all these things that are there, what is our faith in? Is, is, it, is it the outcome of our prayer or is it in the one that we are praying to? And our faith is to be in him. See, I don't think it's as much about believing uh, that he is going to give a, a particular thing. I think it is a picture of us coming to him knowing that he is able to do abundantly, but that he is all-powerful, that he can heal if he so chooses, and he can do that uh, without breaking a sweat, right? That he spoke this whole world into existence without even breaking a sweat, and if he chooses to heal, that God is able to do that. But I think that the, the, the thing that we can't doubt and the thing that God calls us to is recognizing that he is good, that he is a good father and that he is a loving father and that he is all wise and all knowing. And as Maggie said, we, we see this, she quoted Romans eight twenty eight that he is working all things together for good. We trust that he is a loving father and we come to him as a child coming to a loving father, trusting him that he, because of his great love and because he knows what's best and because he sees a bigger picture that he is working all things together for our good and God's glory. Because the truth is, none of us have the power to heal. None of us do that. We know God is able, but we can't choose who is healed. See, we can't choose how God will move in every situation. I want you to look at a, a couple of passages in Scripture. In Acts 28, uh, we see a couple of verses, verse 8 and 9. It says, And it happened that the father of Publius was lying in bed, afflicted with a recurrent fever and dysentery. And Paul went in to see him, and after he prayed, he laid his hands on him and healed him. 
After this happened, he said the rest of the people on the island who had diseases were coming to him and getting cured. So here uh, there's this, uh, this incredible, miraculous healing that's taking place. But then I read in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and listen to these words. It says, Erastus remained at Corinth, but Trophimus I left sick at Miletus. So Paul's right, and he says, hey, I couldn't, I couldn't bring Trophimus with us because he's still sick in Miletus. Now, I'm thinking, now, wait a minute, Paul was able to do all this. I'm sure, you know, surely he prayed for Trophimus, right? Maybe he couldn't pronounce his name. I don't know what the, that wasn't even funny, but I don't even know what the, the picture of that was. But here Trophimus is, and he's, he's not with him. He says, I had to leave him sick at Miletus. So maybe Paul just didn't have enough faith. Paul's own prayer for his healing, Scripture says, offered three times. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9, you can look at that. But it says he offered it three times. It was not answered. Because God had a purpose in allowing the thorn in the flesh to remain. Only if Paul had had enough faith, right? But we don't think of that that way. Isaiah 55 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, God sees the greater story, and he loves us. I can think about, you know, we walk through the life of Joseph, and I bet Joseph prayed a bunch of prayers. And I bet in the midst of that, it seemed like a bunch of them. And it seemed like a bunch of them were not answered. I think about his father, Jacob. Think about just all these different pieces along the way. But he heard them all. And I believe God in the midst of that says, trust me, I'm working. See, obedience, I think, is the application of this passage. We read some instruction. We read this call to prayer. We read this picture of, um, of obedience in the part of someone who was sick calling on the elders. We read this obedience that they go and they, uh, th that they would anoint this person with oil, that they, whether that recognized a medicinal value, whether it's a, a symbolic presence of, of God's Spirit or a setting apart uh, for uh, healing, this kind of picture. But obedience is the application. And when we pray, and when we're obedient to God, it declares our dependence on him. So instead of thinking there's nothing left to do, I'll pray. It's this picture of saying, you know what, whatever I face, the first thing I'm going to do is pray. And so I want to challenge you to do three things when it comes to sickness. And then we're going to kind of land uh, this plane. But the first thing is, is that we pray first because we recognize as believers that our uh, healing, that all healing comes from God, whether uh, it be through medicine at some point, whether it be through the touch of his hand in a moment. There are times that we have gathered and we have prayed. Uh, I, I can remember times that we have prayed and someone has had uh, a, a tumor or they've had something that uh, they were going to get checked or biopsied on a certain day. And we have gathered and we have prayed and then that person has gone uh, to the, the doctor a couple of days later and they've went to look at that place and it's been gone. And the doctor has said, and if it's a believing doctor, then he says, hey, praise God, it's working. And if it's an unbelieving doctor, he says, hey, uh, the, the other scan must have messed up. We don't know uh, what happened. Well, we don't see it anymore. We see those kind of things. But whether it be through the touch of doctors, we recognize that we want to honor the power of God, right, and his presence above the wisdom of men, above even the best doctors, above any of those things. So we pray first. Now, that could be simultaneously in emergencies. It's not like, hey, uh, I think I'm having 
having a heart attack. Well, let's give it a couple days and see. And we're not saying that, right? We're, we're calling 911. We're praying all at the same time. But the second thing, we're going to pray with faith. I think about the four men that brought their friend to Jesus. I think about these men that they bring him to Jesus. And they said, you know what? We know that there's a man that needs Jesus, that he's desperate, that he, he, he's crippled, that he can't walk. And they say, you know what? If only I could get my friend to Jesus. And we want to pray with faith like that, that says, you know what? Whatever people are facing, the sicknesses, the cancer, the difficulties, all those things, they know one thing. There is limit, uh, limits in the power of what men can do. There are limits in, in the understanding that we can have, but we have a limitless God who is all-powerful and, and who is able. We, we have a God who is able to heal if he chooses, if it is according to his will. We know that our God is able. And so we pray with faith. And we need to be like those four men, carrying people to Jesus that are sick. There, there ought to be a place that wherever the church gathers, you know, it, Jesus said they're going to refer to my house as a house of prayer. We ought to see where the God's people gather, that we are praying for one another, that when you are out in your workplace and there are people that come and say, hey, I, I, my mom's sick, this person's sick, and they say, hey, can we pray together? Let's call on the name of Jesus because God desires to be glorified in the work that he does. He desires to work in, the, in our midst and does. And he desires to be glorified. And when we pray and, and people are brought in, we, we see this just beautiful picture of obedience. And we see God is glorified, not us. When Sherry was so weary in the midst of, of uh, the time after her wreck, uh, in the midst of that, our, many of you have heard our testimony, but there was a time in the middle of the night that a, a preacher from here in town uh, woke up in the middle of the night and at 2 or 3 in the morning drives to Asheville, busts through a hospital door and says, God sent me to pray. And from that moment on, everything was different uh, about her. She began to, to, to recover and she began to heal. Could God have chosen? Her dad was praying. Uh, everybody was praying. Now, David Morgan had organized an FCA prayer group and, and they were praying. Everybody was praying, but God desired to receive glory. And, and in that, there was a man that was close enough to the will of God to hear the voice of God. And he says, I'm, I want to heal this girl. I want to work in her life. And I'm doing something bigger than maybe you could understand. And so he sends him over in the middle of the night. He walks in, says, God sent me to pray. And he, he knelt down beside her bed. I don't think he anointed her with oil. don't know that for sure. I don't believe that he did, but he let, knelt beside her bed. And he called on Jesus. And I'm so grateful that he did. And in my life, man, it encouraged my faith. And it stirred my faith. And it reminded me that we have a God who is working. And he calls his people into obedience to be part of his plan and his work that he is doing in the midst of this world. So we're going to pray with faith. We're going we're gonna to recognize that, that that's the first thing we're going to do. We're going to pray first. We're going to pray with faith. And we're going to pursue medical care. Right? I hear some people sometimes it's like, you know what? If you got enough faith and you don't need to go to the doctor, I want to remind you that every good gift is from him. That, that without what God has given in wisdom and, and engaging, it's kind of like the old boy that said he was on top of his roof, you know, and the floods were coming and he prayed and all of a sudden a boat come by. You remember that story, right? And the guy said, no, I've been praying to God and I've got faith. He's coming. But comes by, goes on, helicopter comes, all these things. Finally, he drowns, gets to heaven. Uh, the Lord says, hey, I prayed. I thought you were coming. He said, I sent a boat, a helicopter. What more do you want me to do, right? We, we pray. We trust God. We pursue those kind of things. But we finally, and the last thing I want to share, and we're, we're done, but we need to pray with a pure heart. There's something crazy in this last passage, and I was praying, and I said, God, what does this mean? And, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it next week in the confession of, of sin to one another. But it says, the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who's sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven. 
him. Now, what in the world is this talking about? And I think that we have become so uh, lax in the pursuit and, and the presence of God when we, we, we forget sometimes that we have a holy God, and he has called us to pursue holiness, to be holy as he is holy, that we, we can forget that in the midst of our lives, and we can can lackadaisically and without reverence and without dynamic approach the throne of God. And we see this continual prayer. We see all those kind of things. But I picture this passage. Here's someone who's very sick, calls upon the elders of the church. And can I remind you that the spiritual is always more important uh, than the physical in our lives. Our condition before the Lord is always more important than simply the things that we're going through. And, and I picture these elders coming in. And, and there's this dynamic that says, hey, as we approach the throne of God, we want to come before him with a pure heart. Psalm 66, David said, if I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Now, I'm glad it didn't say that if I have ever sinned that the Lord will not hear. But he said, if I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. And if I'm holding on to, to sin and I'm saying, you know what, I'm going to approach the throne room of God, but I'm going to live my life any way I choose to. And I want God to do what I want him to do in the midst of that. God blesses obedience, right? The love language of our heavenly Father is obedience. And as we approach his throne, there's this picture that says, before you come, right? And, and there ought to be conversations. And I picture conversations that say, you know what? I recognize that your sickness is dire and the things that are there. And I just want to know, is there anything that stands between you and a holy God that you need to confess to him? Because see, we don't have to regard sin in our heart. We can confess our sin. And, and the Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isaiah 59 said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor his ear so dull that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. And there's this picture that says what's going on in these moments is sacred and it's special and we are coming before the throne room of heaven with a pure heart we are being obedient and maybe there's a, an anointing of oil and a, a symbolically there's no uh, power in the oil but we're maybe there's this picture of, of this anointing with oil and this prayer of faith that these elders are going to lift up believing that God can heal and believing he is all powerful and there's this picture of saying you know what but before we do we're going to approach the throne room of heaven with purity. We're going to approach the throne room of heaven seriously, and there should be uh, an awe and a reverence to coming into the very presence of God, and we have lost that in so many ways. And so there's this confession of sin. There's this confession of sin and this desire to be in the presence of the Father. There's an obedience in our prayers. There's an obedience in our walk, but the trust is not always in the result of the things that are going on, but we pray knowing that if we pray according to his will, that God will grant that and that he will work. But we pray trusting that he is a loving father, that he knows what's best and that he is working. I want to invite you. We're just going to close in a time of prayer. And I don't know every situation about all the things that maybe people are walking through in these moments that are gathered in our presence, maybe that are watching online. But my heart in the midst of all this is just to say, you know what, in the midst of whatever you're facing, you can trust in a loving God who is all-powerful, who is full of wisdom, who is all-knowing, who has infinite wisdom, who is working in the midst of these things for good and for his glory. And when we can't see his hand, when all the things are not going just like we think they should, we can trust his heart.
I want to ask you, maybe if you're here and you say, you know what, I'm walking through a tough time and I want you just to just to pray for me this morning. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to look um, just out in the congregation. Just say, you know what, just pray for me. I'm walking through a tough time. Just lift your hand. I'd love to pray for you this morning. Anybody that would say, you know what, walking through difficulty. Thank you so much. Appreciate your, your honesty there and in the cars that are around. And maybe if that's you, slip your hand up and see that. We, thank you so much. And maybe we just come declaring our dependence on him our trust in him. And I want to encourage us that we come by faith, knowing and believing with everything in us that he is good, he is all wise, he is all powerful, and he is able. Maybe you're here and you've never trusted Jesus. You've said, you know what I hear about you talking about having a relationship with him. There's never been a time in my life where I've confessed my sin and, and just repented of that, turned from going my way to trust him. And this morning, I want to surrender my life to Christ and just believe not that I'm good, not that there's anything that, that, that I could do to earn my way to heaven, but that trusting and believing in the finished work of the cross, that Jesus died in my place, and I believe, I trust him. I want to surrender my life to him. Maybe that's you this morning. If that's you, we'd love to hear from you. There's a place that you can connect in our digital bulletin. Maybe you even uh, would declare that in these moments this morning. We would love to pray with you and for you. We'll be here after service. And if you've never trusted Christ, we'd love to take God's word and uh, just point you to him, give you a, uh, some tools for the journey. Uh, I want to pray for us. If, if that's you and you've never trusted Christ, call on his name. Even in these moments, confess uh, that you're a sinner, that you need his touch. Ask him to save you, to be Lord of your life. Just surrender your life to him. And for those of you that indicated just walking through a tough time, I want to lift you uh, to the Father in these moments as well. Father, we're thankful, Lord, that we can gather and approach the very throne room of heaven. Lord, you tell us that we can come with boldness, Lord. God, as I read about Elijah, Lord, there's a, a picture, Lord, of the, the effectual prayer of a righteous man, Lord, that it availeth much, that it accomplishes much. Lord, I pray, God, that you would, uh, God, forgive us where we fail you, Lord. We, God, I pray even in the midst as, as we pray together, Lord, that we would confess our sin to you, Lord, that we would recognize, Lord, where we fall short. God, as we confess our sin, Lord, we're reminded that you are faithful and just to cleanse us from all sin and God, to forgive us from that and to, to restore us, Father. And we pray, God, for every person that indicated, Lord, just they're walking through a tough time. God, we know that you are good, Lord. We know that you are able, God, to heal and to work in the midst of our lives. God, maybe some of those, God, that lifted their hand, Lord, have seen loved ones that have gone through difficult times. Lord, maybe they've lost loved ones in their lives this year, Lord. And we, and maybe it's people that we've prayed for for a long time. Lord, I pray, God, that the hope of heaven, Lord, and the reminder, God, of, of ultimate healing, God, through the cross of Christ, Lord, and that we, we know you see through the lens of eternity, Lord, and we pray, God, that you could bring comfort. Lord, you tell us to let our requests be made known to you, Lord, so I pray, God, that we would uh, individually, Lord, just, God, declare what's on our heart to you, Lord, that we might uh, let those requests be made known, Lord, and you, God, you don't uh, promise us that everything that we ask that you're going uh, to grant according to our hearts, but Lord, according to your will and your love and your uh, knowing what's best, Lord, that you're going to work for good in those situations, Lord. And we pray, 
God, trusting your heart, Lord, trusting your hand. Lord, we pray, God, that you would grant desires of hearts out there. Lord, we pray, God, that you would uh, work in a way that your hand, uh, God, is, is tangible. Lord, that we would see uh, miraculous healing, God, that we would see healing uh, through medicine, Father, that we would see your touch, God, displayed in the lives of, of this church. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us. We thank you for every person that's here, Lord. We ask for your blessing on them. Lord, we pray if there's any that are far from you, Lord, that have never trusted you, Lord, that today uh, would be the day of salvation, Lord, that they would uh, connect with one of us before they leave, Lord, that they would reach out online. Lord, we, uh, God, are, are grateful, Lord, that you hear our prayers, God, that prayer is the work, God, that you use uh, it in, in just an incredible way, God, in a way that's bigger than our minds can grasp, but sit in accordance to your will, God, and, in, in, uh, and God, our role, Lord, is to be obedient, God, to, to call on your name, to trust you, God, and just to see you work. Father, we love you. We love you. We thank you. And we ask, Lord, your blessing on all those that gather here. We ask it in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>